Hey, we have for you another episode of Kondo Comrades, our podcast about Marie Kondo, her Netflix program, Tidying Up, and other matters of import in the Kondoverse. I'm your host, Eric Kaoli, a.k.a. the Skincare Spender, the Planner God, ASAP Lumpia, a.k.a. the Merino Filipino. I have with me my usual co-host, Kenneth Deakins, a.k.a. Mr. Yikes, the book burner, Kenny Kondo, and the misogyny monitor. Hey, Kenny. Hey, Eric. I like uh, I like the new one. The um the, the Merino Filipino. Yeah, a good I'm a, a good. I'm fix. a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of Merino wool. Uh, we have with us a very, 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 very special guest for this episode. We've been promising her for a while, Claire. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Claire. Uh, we're really happy to have you join us. Um, so Glad you can. To be here. Yes, we we can ha- finally have you here to um to blast us in real time instead it's of true. listening to Kenny edit the episode and blasting him while you're, you're I, listening. I to do us. listen to the podcast sometimes and just scream or send Kenny a message as if he is recording it in real time and I can respond in the moment. So this is a good this is a good compromise. <laughs> and so we're we're thrilled to have Claire for this surprise episode. I guess. Because we're not going to be talking about an actual episode of Tidying Up because we've run out of them until next season. But we still do have a lot to talk about. As usual, we're going to start off with some apologies. I'm going to let Kenny take over because I don't know what we're going to talk about. This <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm apologizing. Well, I'm both apologizing. I said I was going to post some pictures of, of my shoes and things I had tidied up, and I haven't. Well, mainly because I forgot to take before pictures, and so they're, they're just kind of silly when you don't have the before. Um, mm-hmm. But also, I posted a great picture of the spoon bending class we saw while we were in Sedona, which is the <laughs> most ridiculous advertisement, and, and, and nobody liked it, and I'm mad. <laughs> Wait, that's, not, that's not an apology, Kenny. Well, I'm, I'm demanding an apology or, or some likes. <laughs> Uh, uh, to be fair, I posted the same photo, and several people sent me messages about it. So, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. I need I need better friends, followers, cult <laughs> members, whatever. Well, this is because Claire is active on Instagram, and it's you true. just I, I'm not sure what your stre- <laughs> what's going on with your Twitter account, Penny. I'm see, I'm trying my best to become active, and it's it's hard when I don't I don't get those dopamine feedbacks that aren't being like. Yeah, that's great. I, I need I need those hits. I, I have that same sort of disappointment when something that I think is going to do numbers just does not get the likes or retweets. Uh, I, I thought your spoon bending was pretty good original content, though. I mean, I I didn't I didn't make that sign. Someone someone posted that, and that was a real class you could take if you wanted to go to, to go to <laughs> Arizona about a week ago. And you didn't try it. I I did not. We weren't there. It was only on Wednesday, and we were leaving. You could have tried it on on the plane ride. I back mean, we could have altered our plans to attend. I mean, <laughs> this is this is Mondo Powers we're talking about. There's lots. Of, Sedona is really wacky with all their their mystic, it is. mysticism. They like every store has like crystals and a lot of like kooky aunt vibes, which I really enjoyed. Did you see a lot of Vortex stuff going around? Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize what it was until later in the trip, but like apparently the rocks have like uh, some kind of magic energy. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure if it's positive or if it's um 
I don't I I looked at it as a threatening energy when I was there because I didn't know anything about it and then all of a sudden I'm seeing vortexes and spirals everywhere and I I kind of hinted at this to Kenny we were walking home or back to our um hotel one night and then I felt like something was following us in like a dark street and then but there was nothing there and um, we we personified it as some sort of creepy vortex man following us, and then when, now whenever anything's creepy that creepy happens to us at home, we feel like the vortex person has followed us from Sedona, and is is haunting us. Okay, that's that's a weird aside. Vortex man is real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sure of it. I even when I see stuff about like the polar vor- vortex coming down, oh, yeah. I'm like. I'm like he's at it again. He's he's coming for us. <laughs> like everything vortex related, or anytime I see a spiral, I'm I feel like it's a reminder that it, he's always watching. What, what else? You. Yeah. What else did you have to apologize for? Um, well, I want to apologize because because last at the end of last episode, we were getting real sincere, and you're talking about how this was helping you make more podcasts. And I made a joke about it. I still feel bad about it. Because I felt like it was a real positive energy, and I had to inject some sarcasm and jokes, and so, but I'm I'm real happy for you for all your other podcasts too. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I guess like vulnerability makes makes everyone uncomfortable. <laughs> and you should have me on to talk about Baba's you and Tetris. Okay, if you want to come on the podcast, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to think about how to get out of this. No, because. No, because <laughs> my other, the other podcasts I participate in have a very different energy, and then you add another like it's it's a more positive energy, <laughs> and this we we have like a more adversarial relationship, and I have to like adapt to that. Um, you don't want to bring this sarcasm vortex into your tiny. <laughs> yeah, I really am the vortex in your life. It's true. Yeah, you know, even like bringing bringing Claire in. I, I was like, okay, I have to adapt. Like I was telling Kenny about this. Like I have to um, try to, to um, get away from our te- my tendency to just uh, put you on blast, Kenny. And then... Because um, I'm just... going to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I know there's... we would It would be very easy for both of us to just pile on him. And it's true. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, we'll maybe see how it's... that goes. Remember, you Someone else wants to add it, then you can you can get away with putting me on blast. Otherwise, it's going to be the Kenny Positivity cast today. We we don't know we don't need to get that wild <laughs> there. <laughs> All right, I appreciate the apology, Kenny, because um, that's the best kind of apology. Apologies to me. <laughs> I feel great. Um, yeah, so we're we're doing a bad job of introducing Claire to our, our broader audience of of Claire and four other people who listen to this <laughs> podcast. Uh, Claire, why don't you tell us about yourself and why we brought you on here? Sure. Um, I'm Claire. I live with Kenny. I'm his partner. Um, I've been listening to the podcast. An avid listener, first-time guest. I think I first read Marie Kondo's uh, t- like Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up when it came out, I guess in 2015. Um, and I think like it really clicked with me and I started doing, you know, not all of the stuff I'd say and not necessarily in the way that she intended it, but like it is pretty flexible. So um, 
started doing a lot of the stuff, been file folding since 2015, probably. Yeah, and I, I think I've incorporated a lot of her stuff into my life, and it's made me feel a lot happier about like the space that I live in. And um, yeah, I enjoyed watching the show. I think, I think watching the show has been a different experience than reading the book was, but I still found it fun, and I was definitely really excited when I heard it was coming out. Uh, so something I'm curious about, what was that initial dynamic like when you, between you and Kenny, when you first started um, reading her book and like, oh, I want to incorporate this into our home? Yeah, <clears throat> I think so. 2015. Kenny, were we living together then? Um, so, I think we were. Yeah, so I, I think you read it right about when I first moved to New York. When you moved in. Yeah, so I had been living in New York for about a year, and we were long distance, and Kenny was living in Wisconsin. And let me tell you, if anybody lived with minimalism, it was Kenny in Wisconsin. <laughs> Dude had like a mattress and uh, a single dining room set, and that was it. Oh, typical dude apartment. <laughs> well, I, I also knew I was only going to be there for like a year, so I didn't really want to yeah, get anything happening. Yeah, we, we knew... Totally. So like we knew he was moving. So I think he tried to keep it pretty sparse, which was actually pretty great when we eventually did move him over. So not entirely his fault. Um, and he didn't have the, you know, PlayStation on the floor or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think like I had been living alone in New York and really like setting up my first apartment. Um, and then Kenny moved in and, you know, he brought he brought basically like clothes and board games um <laughs> which is fine he didn't and bring think... his uh his collection of vonnegut books with him oh i brought books too. i think i already had some <laughs> so like it only really doubled we had to dedupe the, the vonnegut books we did we did have to dedupe it's true it's fun it's fun picking the like one which cover the cover you like more it's true sometimes i like the old vintage ones even they're a little crusty um but yeah i, I think it's mostly he was like part of it too is that like the tidying process is not necessarily about anyone other than yourself mm -hmm. so I think I would tidy my stuff and that would help me but you know I, I think it was kind of like um kind of like amusement most of the time or sometimes I'd be like hey I want us to do this and then sometimes it would be met with okay if that's what you want and sometimes it would be again <laughs> so I think I was definitely more excited about it um but he's usually like either he's he's a participant uh whether that's willing or you know unwilling yeah I, I think I think for me it was like so, so I guess the timeline was you must have been at just a little bit and like all of a sudden you you, you got excited about like getting rid of stuff and I was like I don't yeah I just got here <laughs> yeah and i had like you know i had like gotten rid of some stuff before i moved and then you're it was just like again um yeah you know because i like i also had like all my kitchen stuff and a lot of that i got rid of and stuff like that yeah we definitely had to dedupe some stuff there as well and also like i think we did do some upgrading also like now that you know it was a little bit after college so we had kind of like transition to a new phase where there were two of us and we had two incomes instead of one and like getting some nicer stuff was important to me yeah because like i think when you're first it's just like you get whatever you can and then moving moving towards a world where you you get stuff that you like 
Yeah. Uh, Stuff that sparks joy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think another thing that was pretty um, important for me with tidying up um, the book when I first read it was that, like, I think in my childhood, like, my family wasn't the most organized. And so I, I can definitely remember times where I was like, oh, I need a stamp and this is super important. And I don't know where the stamps are or like having 12 pairs of scissors, but never being able to like find them. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which I think is definitely like a story lots of people can relate to. And I definitely remember like that always being a thing growing up and then me reading this book and like really having my own space for the first time and feeling like I had the power to like put the scissors where I could always find them. And that would make me like, feel better about what I needed scissors or what I needed stamps. Um, and I think that that was really like one of the first ways of like claiming my new house and like my new life on my own was that like, I have the power to um, really like be organized in a way that makes sense to me. Yeah. There's, there's a real joy in something being exactly where you know where it is and exactly where you need it and it's right there for you totally yeah i I guess it's it's interesting to hear you talk about this because with with the title being the life-changing magic it sounds like it really did have it, it really did have that sort of effect on you yeah i think that's fair i mean did you think you were particularly unorganized before you started reading the book or seeing the show or was it just that you grew up in a kind of like disorganized settings. Yeah. I don't know. I think um, I've always felt uh, this is probably the wrong word for it, but like professionally organized. So like when I was a kid, I was definitely like studious and was always organized, like in my coursework and in my like study materials and stuff like that. But like beyond that, like I had a super, super messy room um I was telling Kenny this the other day I had like a full bed growing up but at any point in time I was only ever sleeping on like half of it because the other side was just stuff um so like in in some ways I was very like meticulous and organized and in other ways it was like organized chaos right um and I think that I didn't really have a problem with it at the time but as I got older um I felt like now I definitely feel a need that like, first of all, I can't have stuff on the other half of the bed (laughs) because Kenny's there. (laughs) It's really cramping my style. My bad. But also like, I just, I I definitely feel more calm and more collected um, when my space is like, is in good order. And I think there's also, this is not uh, a condoism, but um, there's this other woman that I've, been listening to for a long time who has some other really great organizational books um Gretchen Rubin and one of the things that she always says is outer order is inner calm and I think that that's really resonated with me as well yeah that's a good bar it's a good line yeah I, think, <laughs> I need um, to write that one down <laughs> yeah she wrote uh the happiness project and that was her first like big bestseller um, she has another book called Happier and Home that I haven't read. And I think she just came out with a whole book on Outer Order Intercom, but I haven't read that one yet. 
Yeah, I should note that when I visited Kenny and Claire late last year, I, I think Claire introduced me to, to Gretchen Rubin, and I've been listening to a couple of her audiobooks lately, and they're fantastic. Like, I, I've, I listened to The Happiness Project, and now I'm finishing up better than before. And they're great. St- I, I think you also introduced me to the idea. I'm not sure if it's from Gretchen Rubin, but she talked about the maximizer satisficer. Yeah, yeah, she talks about Personality types. And um, yeah, I just remember th- you explaining that you were very much a maximizer. Yeah. And Kenny being a satisficer. Kenny is 100% a satisficer. I remember, Eric, you were like, Kenny, are you offended by this? And I was like, no. I think you both have like <laughs> like a brain disease. <laughs> yeah, Kenny thinks that we're wrong. <laughs> like, I understand that you're like this, but I'm also like, you guys understand it's wrong, right? <laughs> so one of you explain these two types of people. So maximizers are people that want to pick the best option of their available options. And they often put a lot of like research and work into finding the best option. And then satisficers have a bar for their needs that need to be met. And once they meet that bar, they have no reason to look beyond it. Like if you're making a decision about like the best, like find a pair of socks, like you need a pair of socks. Like I would do a lot of research on what socks are the best. I'd probably try out different ones. And obviously I'd go with the darn toughs. Because we got to get that sponsorship. (laughs) Shout outs to our sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) Shout outs to our sponsor, Darn Tough, made in Vermont. I'm also from Vermont, which is a very important part of my identity. (laughs) Um, And uh, Kenny would like find a pair of socks and he'd be like, all right, just cover my feet. We're good. Would you you ever get into situations where, let's say, using this example, Kenny would complain about his socks and then you would think in your head or even say out loud it's it's because they're not darn tough socks <laughs> i wouldn't say maybe not exactly that but there's <laughs> definitely like there's definitely a lot of times we'll, we'll be making a decision together about something and uh-huh. i um i'll like be like okay these are our options and kenny will be like okay that one and i'll be like what <laughs> <laughs> you can't just you can't just pick one. <laughs> we have to agonize about yeah, it. Yeah, like for a going long to time. dinner. I'm just uh, like look at the menu. I'm like, yeah, but that's fine. Let's go there. And I'll be like, wait, 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 hold up. <laughs> There's a lot of um. I mean, like I, I mean, I think I think there are like times for it, and I think there are times where like it's just a restaurant, if that makes sense. Yeah. And but the, and then there are times where it makes sense to like I don't know, like I remember like picking out our vacuum, and like I we use the vacuum all the time. And it's really important to have a good one. And I've used crappy vacuums. And so I, th- I think I there's like a, a lot of things where like I really respect, um, you know, the ability to like figure out the best thing when it's going to make a huge difference. And I, I think you're definitely way better at that because you have a lot more practice at it. So I, I definitely have that maximizer mentality, but I can, I completely understand why Kenny thinks... <laughs> we have disorders because I can completely see it from this perspective about like how it it prevents me from it, it leaves me paralyzed by choice. With lots I was of gonna things. say it's definitely paralyzing. That's mm-hmm. that's why we want to live in a future where there's just one peanut butter. So that's what I really want is someone just just like you know someone whose job it is to make a choice about what's the best peanut butter, and we just go to the store and there's one peanut butter, and it's see. <laughs> I feel like the biggest ultimate difference in the type of 
like the difference between the types of people you and I are, Kenny, is that I like creamy butter, peanut butter, and you like no, and you like yeah. I mean, the chunky is like clearly better. But maybe 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 we. That, no, chunky is disgusting. To... <laughs> yes. Chunks of peanuts. No. But like, I don't. I don't need a Jif peanut butter, and I don't need like three <laughs> other peanut butters to pick between. What you're saying? See, you want communism, right? <laughs> like, you want to live in the yeah. Soviet Union. <laughs> a, a single, a single peanut butter sounds to me like a, a literal dystopia. <laughs> that, that is not a future there's, that I want. There's going to be a young adult series of novels written about this universe, Kenny. <laughs> Single PB. <laughs> um, well, anyway, I, I appreciate you going into your history of your experience with like the the Conmary, the Condoverse, and how it's affected you, Claire. It's really interesting. Like, I feel like it's very different from, I guess, mine and Kenny's perspective. Like, it's something that I didn't really get into that much until recently, and even then, it it didn't really seep as much into my life until we started doing this podcast yeah interesting yeah, that's it what let's talk about what we've been tidying lately putting putting um maria kondo's lessons into practice uh should i go first here? yeah yeah i mean my name's first in the outline so <laughs> uh something that's been kind of like bouncing around in my head lately since i saw it in um some youtube about living a minimalist lifestyle is this idea that the surfaces in your home should be for activities, not for storage so that you don't keep things like appliances or like even laptops or stuff that you use throughout your day on, on top of like your, your dressers or your, your tables or end tables and that those should be put away instead of actually just always out for you to use. That's interesting. I like that. Um, I, you know, we just talked about Gretchen Rubin and one of the things like one of her try this at home tips in the podcast one time was, um, like make an empty shelf, which I think mm. is maybe like a, a little bit more of a practical, like accessible version of that. Um, but I, I do definitely think about, you know, making myself an empty shelf and how can I curate that in a way? And also, um, it's it's really luxurious in kind of an interesting way it's like yeah oh, i have this whole empty shelf that i can put whatever i want on temporarily and there's space for me to do this it, it's also luxurious in the sense that not everybody has a lot of places like a lot for of closet sure. space yeah definitely. Or, or drawer space um but even if you do like it's something that i've had trouble with where i have all sorts of stuff just out and not put away because it's, it's been convenient that way for me, but it's not necessarily, um, I don't know. It, it makes my space feel a bit more cluttered because of that. Yeah. It's something I noticed that we were visiting some family in Virginia and, um, when they would make us meals, I, I noticed they'd like pull out appliances from all sorts of places instead of having them already on the counter ready. And they would just, like make make whatever they needed with it then quickly clean it and then put it away and it's it's it seems simple but to me to me who has a a lot of counter space and has all my stuff out that i can quickly grab it struck me as um something that i'd like to emulate yeah we definitely do that i think it's because we have a lot more cabinet space than counter space but we keep like Mm -hmm. our 
our rice cooker and our toaster. Any, is there anything else in the um, cabinet, Kenny? There, so there's all like pans, blender. but I think that's pretty normal. Yeah, there's the blender. There's at least one other appliance that I'm forgetting. Oh, there's the immersion blender. Also. Yeah, that we don't use every day. It's yeah, yeah. I think that's been helpful. Sometimes the rice cooker will be out if we're like we don't necessarily wash all the pieces right away and put it away immediately. But um, I think definitely when you don't have a lot of counter space, that's an important thing. This was actually this rice cooker was. One of my first interactions with you, Eric, you recommended it to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Forever ago. That's funny. This was definitely yeah. a, a maximizer thing where I like looked up different rice cookers, and I I think I had picked one out probably from like the Sweet Home water cutter. at the time. Yeah, oh, yeah Sweet cutter. Home at the time, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Kenny was like, no, 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 we got to go with this one. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Sweet Home highly recommended it too. They did. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think yeah. I think Eric, your decision was confirmed by Claire's research as as one of the possible ones. Mm-hmm. But it was like I was <laughs> like, great. nah, this is the one as opposed to like the other one they recommended. I think I was like, oh, let's let's go with their like we don't need the upgrade pick, right? Like we can just get the. It plays Kenny jingles. Was like, <laughs> Kenny does love the jingle. <laughs> yeah it's very pleasing um for, for our listeners we'll definitely put an amazon link so where you can purchase this rice cooker although i think it, it might be out of stock they might have a, a upgrade or similar version yeah we've had it for a similar while. model that you we can purchase. get we should get sponsored by zoberoshi yeah they make lots of stuff like um like i have a a thermos by them yeah we have those too yeah they make like um bento boxes and um uh, kettles and all sorts of stuff that's useful. But so this idea of of surfaces being for activities has actually pushed me towards. Um, we talked about this in the last episode, s- sorting through more of our our junk drawers because I can't actually put stuff away without them getting lost in all the junk that we have um, scattered in various cabinets and um, and credenzas around the house. So. I've actually, it like, I'm surprised at how much time it takes to sort a junk drawer, like probably an hour and a half to sort one, one piece of furniture's drawers for me. And that's the tidying I've done, been doing lately, been focusing on. Nice. I think that's a really good sentiment, the like idea that like tidying is important because you need to create space for living rather than for stuff, um, mm-hmm. I think is, is like yeah. a very strong idea. And then, so one, one, I vacuumed again this weekend, um, which I will continue to bring up. <laughs> I was, I was gonna say earlier, you were like, you know, the vacuum is something we use a lot, and in my head, I went, well, some of us do, because <laughs> you know, I don't. I feel like every time Kenny bring the, brings this up, he's shaming me for not vacuuming every other week, like he says he does. He claims Kenny, yeah. Kenny, I, I think it's mostly every other week. He does a good job. It's like. There's one very dedicated chore that he does on a very regular basis. And I mean, among others, but you do, you do a great job vacuuming. I think also because I hate it. I don't understand why. It's really, it's not that hard. I don't know. I, I think it's the maximizer. You get like obsessed with the idea that you might miss a piece of dust yeah. somewhere. <laughs> I think you're right. I think, I think like me vacuuming is like getting out all the attachments and like going over the baseboards. Oh yeah, and you you like are obsessed with the attachments. I love the attachments. I know you don't ever use them, but the attachments they're the they're the best for for curtains and for baseboards and for corners. 
But here's the thing, like, I think, like, me vacuuming is very, like, missing the forest for the trees, because I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to move all the furniture and, like, get in all the corners and whatever, and, like, Kenny vacuuming is like, okay, I did the floor. I mean, okay, okay so which, like, it's like you don't need to, like, move the furniture it, every time, but you need, you need to move it sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I know you're right. Um, also, I also like I back I um dusted off the top of our cabinets, which are like in our like our kitchen cabinets. Yeah, so they're they're like you know probably like mm-hmm. ten feet up or something like that. Um, and so it's like not something we ever see, and they're very dusty. And it was reminding me that like so I, for like a couple like about a month ago for like two weeks or so, I was having a really bad sore throat, and it turned out it was because of allergies. And I knew I had like allergies, but I didn't realize they could cause sore throats. Um, and I like never connected the two, but it, it's. It's one of those things where there's like a, a strong connection between, you know, having a tidy space that isn't dusty and like being a healthy person um, and sort of it's just like background work to like make you, you know, I was like definitely feeling shitty because of that um, and like not sleeping well, it was making me irritable and all that sort of stuff. And so sort of like tidying helps, helps you be like a functional person. Yeah. Allergies are, are no joke because you you don't appreciate just having a life where your nose isn't always running until your nose yeah. is always also running. Also, is pretty pretty good stuff. Oh yeah, Alexis has been just killing her her Flonase <laughs> this this these past few weeks, especially because we've been going to we've been doing a lot of driving in areas with lots of pollen. Not fun. I got a got a three pack at Costco the other day. That's my hot tip. Flonase hit us with the hit us with the sponsorship. <laughs> Or Costco. Yeah, either one. yeah, either one. We'll, we'll take anyone's money. If, if Exxon, if you if you want us to peddle oil, oh, we'll, I'll, we'll I'll do sell that mad you. essential oils. <laughs> They'll get rid of the vortex, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> you you think that's a, a proper? I don't know if you can um, if like aromatics or or whatever will will scare off actual spirits. Is that a thing? I yeah, guess I, I guess when you sage your house, that kind of. We can. We sort can, of. I, I don't, I'm saying it does, yeah. and I'm gonna sell mad oils. All right, that's the next. That's the next scheme that we'll get into, Kenny. <laughs> the next finagle. Uh, you, you guys want to also talk about? Um, I know you were talking about moving around some clothes of yours. Yeah. So we were just in Arizona on vacation, doing some hiking, and I think we, you know, every winter we put away some of our clothes for like the cold season so all of our like warmer clothes like shorts and um some stuff like that we sandals we put up in the closet and we got them all out for the trip because it was going to be warmer weather and it was you know like very early spring when we left and kind of we came back a week later and then it was kind of fall spring like totally in bloom Mm -hmm. literally like the trees on our street had no leaves when we left and they like had buds and leaves when we came back so we're kind of in this weird transitional period right now that I have a hard time dealing with because you need like some of your clothes from the warm season and you're like excited to get them out and you're like oh, I haven't seen you in a while I'm excited to to wear you again um <clears throat> but it's not fully warm yet so you still need some of your old stuff but not all of it and it's kind of this period where you have bits of both seasons. And right now, I think in our living room, there's just like a box of sweaters that were not quite 
fully ready to put in the closet yet, but um, they don't really have a place in the dresser at the moment either. So it's kind of a like a transitional period where we're switching out clothes, but it's not 100% there yet. Yeah, it's annoying for me too. Yeah, it's hard. Um, but I think that they're like definitely like bringing out some of the summer clothes. There were stuff I put away before the Netflix show came out. And I think there was probably a few things that I had an idea that I was like, oh, I'm probably going to like try to replace these or like these don't spark joy. But let me revisit it in the summer. Um, but there was a couple things where I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's something I need to to get rid of or replace opening that up again after like the perspective of uh like having watched the show a little more recently um was also kind of interesting yeah that's a that's a good point it really allows you to iterate on your wardrobe um uh like getting rid of the stuff that you don't want um in that like i kind of have the same approach where like oh i'll return to this later and then as the Mm -hmm. new season starts and you're bringing out um a whole selection of clothes for that season you once again get a chance to like oh i've had more time to think about this and now i don't want this anymore but i've, I've kind of found like <laughs> returning to some of stuff i'm like wow i don't have as much as i thought i would have to wear yeah i do that too for sure it's where i i'm like oh this doesn't spark joy i'll get rid of something and then summer comes and it's hot and i realize that like I don't have any clothes to wear. (laughs) (laughs) Which is is really bad for my my shopping habit because now I'm like, like, this is is a chance for me to buy some some new clothes that do spark joy. And Mm -hmm. then the cycle continues. Yeah. Or like you buy something out of desperation instead of like a real need for the thing or a thoughtful thinking about like, what you actually like what holes in your wardrobe need to be filled yeah how this does this actually i maybe we talked about this when you were here eric but i like track all of the clothes that i wear on a daily basis Mm -hmm. which is kind of like a it's kind of a like silly habit it's a maximizer habit to get your it's definitely a maximizer (laughs) habit and a lot of people are like what (laughs) like why would you spend time and energy doing that um but i do think it's really quick And I really like having um, like a visual tool for me to look at all the clothes that I have, Um, even ones that are like in storage or um, not around. Um, And I think it's a really great way for me. I I do it for a couple of reasons. One is I track cost per wear. Mm -hmm. Um, And the second one is that I can really like see how many times I've worn something and I can look at things that are most or least worn which really helps me identify like patterns of stuff that I buy that I don't wear and I just you know like waste money on it or I feel really guilty about having spent the money and when I like you know like condo in my closet I'm like okay like I haven't worn this but it was expensive and it's really nice. I can't get rid of it. And so there's a lot of like guilt there. And I think it's really helped me identify patterns and things that I won't wear. Yeah. Um, and things that I do get a lot of use out of. Yeah. And I think that the app that I use is called Stylebook. I think it was like a couple of dollars mm-hmm. and it's not an amazing app, 
but I think it's really helpful for me and it, it does a lot of what I need. So, so my, my opinion on a cost per wear, I think it's, um, I really love co- like calculating like how much, <laughs> how, how much I've driven the cost down, Utility. cost per wear down yeah. of, of what I've, um, what I've worn, what's in my closet, especially for the really expensive items, because it makes them seem yeah. like less of um, a frivolous purchase if I'm wearing it all totally. the time and I can justify yeah. it. At the same time, it's something that I don't, I try not to bring up to other people because I know how like wild it makes me sound that I'm tracking cost per wear of clothes. But mm-hmm. but also, um, maybe this is another thing that Gretchen Rubin talks about. It's the the, the practice extends your joy of the thing that you've purchased and that's like that's something you should take advantage of whenever you can to extend the joy of something that that you really like doing or that you really appreciate and so yeah i don't think that's something to feel silly about like the way that i do it's it's yeah i mean i i definitely feel silly about it as well and there are some parts of me that are like okay if this really brought me joy why do i need to calculate it and you know, really think about its utility in, in such like a, like, like a straight utilitarian way. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, how do you measure joy? Right. But um, I do think that we grossly, like, I think if you ask me what my, how many times I've worn something, I'll give you a much higher number than I actually have. And I think that's true for most people. Um. So, you know, thinking about that and actually measuring it versus um, versus like the feeling that you have of joy, there's probably like a, I think there's no reason not to do both for me personally, yeah. but maybe for other people there is. But to, to get us back on topic, when you, when you all, That's no, good. no, I, I, I really like talking about cost per wear, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's. It's something I don't get to talk about with most people just because it's like, I know what it makes me sound like <laughs> when I start talking yeah. about like, and yeah. To put this also in perspective, I think another reason I do it is about, you know, the environment and like labor practices. And like, I think, I think this statistic is right, is that the average person wears the average in the United States, wears the average piece of clothing seven times before they discard it. Oh, wow. And like, yeah, it's it's a wild statistic. Um, so like thinking about cost per wear from like my own perspective of joy and um, utility, but also thinking about in the grander like scheme of things, like the environment and waste and clothing, like the fashion industry is a huge polluter. So mm-hmm. really trying to reduce that and think about things more meaningfully, both when I have things that I already own and, you know, in general about buying new things. Uh, Something I wanted to ask you both about is when you're storing your, your like your warm weather clothes and stuff, are you, are you um, doing that thing where you're like, there are like these containers you can put underneath your (laughs) bed. This is an all time transition. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Well, I've been trying, I've, it's something I've been thinking about. Uh, because I, I I don't do that where you have like your seasonal clothes stored in under your bed, but it's something that my mom did, and I don't know. It's something I think about um, a lot. So I I would say, I think using 
under your bed as storage space makes it really hard to vacuum and is going to get you a dust problem. <laughs> I knew we were going to get those hot vacuuming. Um, that's, that's the main <laughs> issue I have with it is that every everything under your bed should be easy to move so you can vacuum under there. Yeah, I agree. I think under the bed is not like I, I totally get why people do that. We live in New York. We have two closets in our whole apartment. Um, but like, I just don't think it's. I, this is kind of a weird thing, but I don't think it it produces the right energy for like a sleeping space. Well, you, um, well I needed Vortex I, Man to be in there. You yeah, know? <laughs> Vortex Man could be um, could he be could be under the bed with all your summer clothes. Yeah, he could be vortexing all the dust <laughs> underneath yeah. there. Yeah, um, and I think Kenny's totally right. It's really hard to clean around. It produces a lot of extra dust. And even then, like, you can see it. And I, I think that that is not, like, the environment that I want for, like, a resting place. But if we were to store something under it, where would we get these containers from? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you asked because that's 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 a place that we've, we've teased at or um, kind of mentioned in passing numerous times in our episodes, Kenny. Uh, the container store would seem to be the place that you would want to purchase something where you would store your clothes and hide them under your bed. Or you could put them in your closet. And, I love the container store. Yeah, you could do that. But like, if again, you you have two closets. Like, you you don't have much space to you don't have much space to actually put all your stuff in. So you have to find alternate areas to hide it. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm trying to like pull different people on what they do because I'm trying to figure out whether or not it's something I want to do and spend a lot of money at the container store. We we fit pursue. all our summer clothes in like three or four containers combined. Maybe I think I think I think we have like one mm-hmm. more for winter because we have like bulkier winter jackets and stuff. But we managed to fit it in our two closets and like just the top room at the top and it, it doesn't take up that much space. So I think I think pretty much anyone can do it, um, barring more extreme new york situations than us we might yeah i don't know we might have less clothes than your average person but we also have less space than your average person um we did get a bunch of the i think they're called the um they're like the weatherproof clear plastic storage containers from the Mm -hmm. container store link in show notes oh wow look at look at you go (laughs) That's how you do it, right? Yeah, that's the real thing we need to do is make an app that parses speech and automatically makes an Amazon affiliate <laughs> link for you from a podcast. Hey, Google, <laughs> link in show notes. <laughs> oh, no, our Google's out. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, so we just put those. We have, like, a, a high shelf in our closet, and we stack them up at the top. It's it's not ideal, but it works fairly yeah, well. Yeah, it's it's sort of like with how often we shift stuff out, which is like we need to go on vacation somewhere, or it's the changing of the seasons. It it like that's about how often we have to like get up there, and but it is like definitely a pain to get all this stuff down. I feel like it's been on my mind a lot lately because for some reason I still haven't unsubscribed from the Container Store's daily e newsletter, and they're always sending me container storage ideas and um and especially they're like discounts on their closet systems for things that I need to buy even though I think my closet is decently sorted enough just the 
these like photos that they post of these completely organized closets are uh, very tempting. And it's like, oh, that's what I want my life to be like. Which I, I, I will I will commit yeah. to once we get all our clothes back up, I will take a picture of what the top of our closet looks like. Yeah, that would be good Twitter content. Not as good as the spoons. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, so this idea, um, I kind of wanted to read a quote because it reminded me also of um, when I see these photos of organized closets, uh, just walking through Ikea and one of my favorite sites lately, manrepeller.com, <laughs> which I, I love the, the, the domain for this. Um, they had an article about Ikea titled uh, why walking around Ikea is basically porn. And uh, some of the, the insights that they shared here kind of related to when I, when I walk through the container store and this idea I have seeing of all these storage options um, that they present. So they say the aisles are overwhelming influx of affordability. Everything you interact with is accessible and therefore conceivable. The possibilities feel endless and imagination takes control. Empty picture frames insist that you must take that trip to Argentina that you always talked about. Woven baskets from the gutters of Bohemia beg you to store your miscellaneous doodads and thingamabobs. The real world has become a brothel of bounty. These items aren't possessions, they're ideas. You drop a pin in each prospect by taking photos. Discoveries saved to your camera roll. And I felt that really captured the way I feel when I walk through the container store and through Ikea. Uh, just the the possibilities in your head of having this life that you're that they're presenting to you yeah i think also if you look in like the closets all the clothes are like white or off-white or maybe oh, yeah. black but there's like nothing that's a color mm-hmm. um which is always kind of interesting uh i always look at like what size the people who live in Ikea or the <laughs> container store are. I'm like, oh, you're tiny. Okay, I get it. <laughs> Yo, you have a nice life. You probably eat salad. <laughs> yeah, I'm always looking at the books that they have yeah, on. Yeah, uh... books are interesting too. Yeah. <laughs> or like, what are the fake books that they are they have on display here? Totally. Um, I know you, you wanted to talk about, Claire, about how you have like a love-hate relationship. Yeah, I do. Store. I think when I first moved to New York... The container store is like always popping. I don't know why, but like there's always a real long line. And I I grew up somewhere where like I grew up in Vermont where you never had to wait in line for anything. And of course, you could put the entire population of Vermont inside the like Brooklyn IKEA. I mean, yeah, for sure. Let alone the population of my my very small hometown, which could fit in our apartment building like four times or something. Um, maybe not, but you know, <laughs> and, um, yeah, so like you never had to wait in line, but also we didn't have like the container store or target. I still don't think there's a target in all of Vermont. Um, but like, it just wasn't an experience I had. So I sometimes go to the container store and I'd need like one thing. And then I'd like wait in line forever behind everybody who had like 20 storage bins. And I also think, like, there's something about the world in that the Container Store presents that is simultaneously inspiring and also, like, a little frustrating. You know, you're like, oh, of course, of course this, like, Container Store woman only wears white and is a size zero and has perfect storage for all of her jewelry. 
Um, <laughs> it's like an idealized world that in a lot of ways is unattainable or the way in which you can achieve this organization and, you know, what does living an organized life mean? Does that mean control? Does that mean um, autonomy? Does that mean all of these different things? And that the way to achieve those things is ultimately through capitalism. <laughs> I'm on my Kenny soapbox. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, like ultimately the way to achieve these things in your life is by buying things. And I think that that in some ways has, has been frustrating to me about the container store. Um, I think in more recent times, I've really come to enjoy it a lot more than I used to. I think it is a much calmer place than a lot of other stores in New York. Like it's way more chill than Ikea uh way more chill than even it's like a lot easier to find things than staples i guess is a good comparison how is staples still in um, business it doesn't make any sense to me I don't know. <laughs> staples, staples in union square is open 24 7 why who has does, do people have like paperclip emergencies i remember going to like morning? a giant staples and there's like so much stuff and i was like who is buying these things? Because it's all like office supplies, but don't people who work at offices like get that stuff in bulk? For like, why do you need a store to go to? I have no idea. I have no idea. So yeah, I don't know. Um, and also the Container Store, like they're pretty well known for having a pretty good living wage for almost all their employees, and and having a pretty good like uh, base salary, which makes me feel good about shopping there. Um, even if it is a capitalist trap. <laughs> um, well, I I do think that um, the it's it's very much in contrast to uh, kind of the approach that Maria Kondo has, where she doesn't say go out and buy all this stuff to to tidy everything. Like you likely have a lot of what you need at home. Like you can organize things in shoe boxes and just fold them in a way that you don't need separators for everything. That's kind of, I don't. Know, that's something I really like about her approach. Yeah, I agree. And I, but I, and the thing is, like, it's really odd to think because the Container Store and her methods kind of have like the same sort of a destination, but it, at the same time, their philosophies seem so different in what you need to buy. It's sort of saying you don't need to get rid of your stuff or buy less stuff. You just need to like buy this stuff to organize it. Um, yeah I think that's ultimately the the problem I have with a container store is not you know they're not trying to organize for you right like they in, in some ways like the container store wants you to buy more stuff so that you need more stuff to contain yeah. it but I, I I think it is all, it's yeah. also true that like you know it like having some amount of organization can help a lot and you know can like really get stuff you know, like, especially for, like, our winter clothes where we need it. We, we can, like, want to put it away for just, like, six months. And it's really nice to have people, like, tightly compress it in a small area for that amount of time. For sure. And I think also, like, we don't – sometimes I, I save shoeboxes around, but, like, we don't really have a place to keep, you know, Maria's, like – Reserve huge. army of Like, every time shoes. she comes to the house, she has, like, a new – 
<laughs> a new box of like 20 different shoe boxes like yeah really where is she space. getting these i know i was thinking that and they're all so beautiful too like none of them have logos none of them have like stickers on them um and i think like i really like like that that's an accessible way to do her organization system but also in some ways um there are some drawers that we have that i have like different boxes um you know like from either like electronics we've gotten or stuff like that but there are some places where I'm like this doesn't quite look right um yeah yeah and like if you want to have a little bit a little bit more polish in a certain place it is nice to be able to go to a container store and get like four containers that all look the same so often what I'll do is I'll like use the smaller boxes that I have around to like organize stuff and then eventually I'll replace them with something that's a little more like uniform and polished mm-hmm. um which is kind of like a merger of the two kinds of ideas um because it is hard to go to the container store and be like okay I need four of these size and ten of these size or not that's a lot but like it's it's I often find it hard looking at the shelves to visualize what I need in my own space and by using the the like temporary stuff first, I can figure that out instead of buying a lot of stuff that I don't need. What what I like about that approach is because I'm sort of doing the same is like I I use me sorting it into like these temporary boxes as proof that I'll use the the nicer oh, ones. Oh yeah, that I buy. totally. Like yeah, like it's my like I need to prove to myself that I can actually keep up with this habit. So a uh, container store, if you want us to say nicer things about you, you should have sponsored this podcast. <laughs> Easily bought. You still can. <laughs> um, so that's, that's why you got hated on quite a, a little bit. Or just, we're running just a protection racket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if any I, negative I, reviews happens to you. The, to you. <laughs> You know, we 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 got to do what we got to do to uh, to pay for these these podcast hosting costs, Kenny. Uh, so the other the other haters besides ourselves that we wanted to point out for this episode are, as usual, our player haters club of a uh, Mario Kondo segment. Um, a recent article came out from People.com covering, I think, Tim Gunn's podcast that he hosts, and apparently, he is not a fan of uh, Mario Kondo's Netflix show. And uh, Kenny, you read this article, and you haven't done much talking in a while, so hit us up with the, these. I quotes. feel I feel somehow negged, but um, anyways, to start off the, the this whole business of sparking joy. I have a huge number of books. Do they all spark joy? Rogue's the Taurus does not spark joy. Am I going to get rid of it? No, he said. Um, so like obviously you should definitely get rid of your thesaurus. No one needs a thesaurus anymore. You have the internet. <laughs> Stop being dumb. <laughs> I mean, my thesaurus sparks joy for me because it's it saved me a lot because I, I write for a living. But I don't. If if you use actually use your thesaurus, it does spark joy for you. Oh I, no! I feel right. like. You use a thesaurus. <laughs> don't you? Just, yeah. Well, don't, I, why don't you? Just, I use like, the so- look it up online. Ah, a, oh no! I, <laughs> I I do use the the online ones, but. I I like having one on hand when I'm, because like I try to not write near a computer when I'm actually writing. writing okay, that that like some, is some somewhat legitimate. Because I need to I need to really cut myself offline from 
distractions. So having a having um yeah, having a thesaurus next to your typewriter is important. Yeah. <laughs> Kenny and I literally can't imagine not being online all the time. So. I put off getting a smartphone for a while because I knew it was going to be a disaster, and it was. But I can never go back. Um, anyway, more quotes. I mean, also like an important part of our job is googling things. It's it's a luxury to be offline now. Yeah. Too. It's like I don't know. I I appreciate the. I try to like when I can. If I need to get work done, I try to cut myself off. Okay, we we need to get into hating Tim right. Gunn as much as I so love we, Tim we, Gunn. So we we may have conflicted opinion opinions on the thesaurus, but he also <laughs> just like doesn't understand is falling into the classic book trap that people fall into. <laughs> yeah, the old book trap. Uh, it's one of the one of the classic Marie Kondo traps. All right, and he was also saying he thought it was boring and. And the show it, specifically. Yeah, the, the show. And he's like, it's day 11. I would have thrown myself on a sword if Maria Kondo was coming to my apartment and it was day 11. Oh, yeah. Let's speed it up, people. <laughs> I, I guess they do work under like rigid timelines on Project Runway. Yeah. Which but I guess we haven't we haven't mentioned who Tim Gunn yeah. is for people who are who don't watch. Uh, I don't even know what channel it's on anymore. Lifetime or Bravo. Bravo now. Again, it like got rebooted on Bravo, I think. Yeah, Tim Gunn is like, I for many people he's like an inspirational person, and um, uh, in like, in the show, and I guess he he's also a, a teacher in some sort of like, in some sort of fashion classes workshops. <laughs> Maybe I should have researched Tim Gunn more before this, but I I do love Tim Gunn, and uh, I just, I I found his um. His, his casual dismissal of Mario Kondo kind of. I actually think this um this quote speaks more to sort of the issues with his own show than the issues with Mario Kondo, which is to say, like, mm-hmm. uh, so much of reality TV has so much unreality to it because it's it's operating under like false conditions where they have to go really fast, and it's sort of like, you know, as, as like deadline as much deadlines as like the fashion world can have. The deadlines in Project One Way are still like artificial in a lot of ways and like manufactured and having everything go fast and need to be done quick is, is sort of like creating this like false sense of reality to all the stuff we call reality television. Whereas with the kind of shows, the fact it takes place over like like months or months and a half, you know, it takes place over a long period of time, which is sort of like the timeline in which most people would actually tidy on. And so it makes the show a lot more accessible and it matches up the show to people's reality of of their own lives yeah so his his popular slogan is like let's make it make oh, it work let's make it work or make it work yeah, yeah. but his, but uh i guess um the approach that uh miss Kondo takes is more make it work at a pace that works for you uh as, as you go through organizing everything and it's like you don't have to go at an unreasonable pace mm-hmm. As I guess he's expecting. Well, you got to... an unreasonable praise to create conflict and drama because that's what people like to watch. Yeah. I mean, I like to watch it. We're we're watching um, Double Shot of Love with Vinny and and um, Polly D. Polly D. And you know that. Oh, I was wondering what that show you were talking about was. And now, <laughs> as soon as you mentioned the name, it's like, oh, it's the Jersey, Jersey Shore. Shore guy. Yeah, which is obviously them, yeah. amazing and also full of tons of artificial conflict. Anyway, I think I think that that covers up Tim Gunn. You're being a doofus. Yeah. Well, I just I also pulled one quote, which is that he said, 
I'm not a believer. I just don't subscribe to her methods, which I think is a really interesting way to talk about this tidying method. Like, you know, it's like in a lot of ways, there is kind of a cult surrounding her, which like Eric and I are in. And that's hey, I'm in it too. <laughs> I guess, I guess. And um, you're, you're still a level two. Yeah, member, you're a level Kenny. two. We're like at least level four. And um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, believing in her is kind of an interesting way that people frequently talk about the the Kamari method and like subscribing to it that it's kind of it's very like all or nothing um and that you either have faith in this process that you trust the process or you don't well we'll get you on our Sixers spinoff podcast cool great sounds good tighten up the Sixers <laughs> tidying up with Joel Embiid I would be able I would love to go. you know this sounds like a, a- this sounds like a great concept for, <laughs> for for a podcast. It's something to do in the in the off season after they get knocked out this round. Oh. Uh, let's. All right. Do you, you want just... to talk about the Knicks? Do you? You, you are never no, allowed no, no, to make I'm fun not, of I'm my team after the game we watched together. I paid I'm, money. I'm, for I'm those allowed to make fun of every team. <laughs> I am part of the the every team haters club as a as a Knicks fan. Okay, this this episode is running. Really yeah. long, so we have to make sure we get to the most essential part of the program, which is Eric's shirt report. Uh, Je- Jezebel, uh, the the website, the um, is it a Gawker property still? I don't Nobody know what knows anymore. Called. Nobody knows, especially uh, since they just recently transitioned with their owners. So Jezebel had a, a terrific article about um, one of our, our favorite whipping stores, Untuck It, which um, makes those. A clo- those clothes for men or shirts for men that are specifically geared towards being untucked. It's a, it specializes toward that. And uh, at Untuck It, clothes make the man, and the man needs help. And I, I know, I don't know what I know. You have a lot of feelings about this, Clay. So do you want to you want to kick it off? Sure. I think I've Untuck It's been around for a while, and I've I remember like hearing about the concept at first and like seeing like some spheres of my area on the internet make fun of it uh and be like yeah that's absurd um and I think it was it's also I've had like some conversations in everyday life with like maybe male coworkers or something like that where I've found it hard to express why I find Untuck It like a pretty laughable and be like just totally absurd um, and it's been hard for me to like put my finger on why that is. Um, and I think this article did a really good job of like helping me figure that out and really like express it in a concrete way. Um, but I think like at first when I saw Untuck It, I was like, okay, cool. Like men don't have to wear heels and they don't want to tuck in their shirts. You know, like you already <laughs> have the more comfortable option and you want to make it more comfortable. <laughs> um, and I think I also just, like, don't really understand why you can't untuck a normal shirt. And, like, I, I've i seen their pictures. I saw the side-by-side comparison. But, like, I think it's a bit of, like, uh, it's, like, it looks like an infomercial person. You know, like, the, the before photo of, like, a normal shirt untucked. It's, like, 
oh, I don't know how to use a frying pan. <laughs> <laughs> My shirt was untucked and I fell on the stairs. Ah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's it's always felt like, is this a real need? And I think what, like, men and uh, Untucket's venture capital funding have found is yes, but, like, I can't see it as anything other than, like, a silly, like, infomercial, like, absurd desire <laughs> that, like, I didn't really think we needed uh, venture capitalists and, like, an internet startup to solve. So this side-by-side -side photo you're talking about, and one, the guy's got, a, like, a really baggy shirt, the sleeves are too long, there's a bit of puffiness everywhere, and even the, the hem's a bit way long, and it, it just looks very... Um, not fitted, mm -hmm. I guess. And that's kind of like Untucket's um, whole spiel. It's like, we'll give you a shirt that is is has a more slim fit and less bagginess and the, the hem's not going down to your crotch because I guess just... I guess when most guys go to... if When they buy something, they usually don't buy their size anyway. And the options are very like the i don't know most shirts that you buy off the rack are pretty awful i feel like at like really big stores and untuck it saw a space for like hey we can say we can we can advertise to guys who want to look like they actually care about what they're wearing mm -hmm. and but not so much that they'll try very hard i i, I think i think to me it it's interesting because it, that like you you read what some of what the CEO is saying or whoever the the big the big cheese they were interviewing was exactly, and it, it's sort of like some of it like speaks to me in in that like in, in, in the, just in the sense that like shopping shopping is hard because no one's ever really explained it to you and um like how clothes are supposed to be, but instead of just sort of like trying to explain like okay like here's how a thing should fit and like. You know, like it's it almost you need like a, like it's just a series of YouTube videos that like are given to you when when you like turn like mm -hmm. sixteen or like hey you're like older now and you're probably gonna start caring about your appearance like this is like how how like fitting works and like what why things look good and why things look bad instead it's just like all right we're gonna make we're gonna try and make like one thing that looks good in everyone so you don't have to think at all rather than like trying to like rather than trying to like bridge this like knowledge gap you know because like men are socialized differently to to like not have to like care about your appearance as much and rather than trying to like fix that by like hey here's how like clothing works it's just sort of like okay we're gonna we're gonna make the store and you go there and there's one thing and it's we're it's gonna fit you and you don't need to worry about anything and it's it just really like really dumbing it down rather than mm -hmm. trying to to make men have to think hey we can explain what style and fit is and all that sort of stuff yeah so the quote i pulled out from this excellent Jezebel article. Untucket provides a substitute for the sort of traditionally feminine labor a lot of men need when shopping. They are a new set of eyes to evaluate how sloppy customers look or a helping hand to get them dressed. Untucket is a discerning wife or a mommy, which, uh, yeah, it's it's scathing, but it's, it's very <laughs> accurate in that <laughs> a, a lot of men feel like they need a discerning wife or mommy to tell them how to dress because no... Yeah. Is this the part where we put Kenny on blast? <laughs> please. please. I think um 
I mean, Kenny, maybe I'd be interested in hearing your perspective about this. How do you think, I mean, this is a leading question, but like, what has been your experience in how you dress and how you look since, you know, we've had more years of our relationship? You know, like you've definitely improved the way I dress and you've helped me dress in a way that I feel more comfortable with and it, it makes me happier. And I think it's still something that's very hard for me for a lot of reasons. Um, just sort of, I have always felt like a certain amount of dissociation with my body. You know, just sort of like always, like never, never really wanting to have a physical presence in the world. And so shopping for clothes is like a, is like a moment where like you're really forced to confront that. And so that makes it really difficult um, sometimes. But like, I, I definitely, like you've been able to help me. I know I can be really difficult about it. Um, but I, I definitely am able to like feel better about my body because of it. Yeah. I think I can definitely tell that like there, when we first met, there were some clothes that you picked out and then like a lot of your, and it was very like functional, right? It's very about like, uh, these pants are on my body and they cover my butt <laughs> and <laughs> like, they're, for the legs. they're doing their job. Uh, but you would literally wear them like out. Like I remember there being like, like they weren't the right length. So like they were all torn at the bottom and it was a lot of, like you had a lot of t-shirts that were like things you liked that were like a way of expressing your identity. And that's, you know, like um, I think it was a lot of like bands or you had, I remember you had a killer bunnies t-shirt for a long time, which is a card game. Um, and like, I think, but like all your formal wear, which you didn't really have to wear that frequently, but like I could tell it wasn't stuff that you felt comfortable in and it clearly seemed like your mom had bought you the clothes without you ever trying them on. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that fair? A little bit. Well, it was, it was a lot of times that she just like bought, like I, I usually tried them on, but it would have been like a while ago and then just had never worn them for like three years. And so they were no longer fit. This, this, by the way, I should just, just to shoot Kenny some bail, this all sounds very familiar as my life, too. For sure. For sure. Yeah, and, and I think it is, like, a, a very common male experience, and it can be very hard to get out of because it can be very embarrassing to confront. Um, Definitely. Yeah, exactly. And, but, yeah. But, but there's, like, a lot of stages at which you can confront it and make it better, you know, both, like, being better about, like, okay, like at a certain age, you start teaching your kids, like, hey, here's how clothing works and, like, here's how it's supposed to be. And, like, like, like I just, like, no one ever, like, taught me how it worked, I guess. It was just sort of, like, yeah, it covers my butt. That's what it needs to do. So I think that there was a point where, like, I was, like, dude, you got to get some new clothes. <laughs> and we did some of that together. I think you're pretty I, – I don't know how it was at first, but there are times now when you're definitely unwilling. And I get that. Um but I think, I think, like, even for me, like, I think we had to get you a suit a while ago. And I was like, okay, I can push you to get the suit. But there's even some stuff about, like, I know a lot about how women's clothes should fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't totally know how men's clothes should fit. And I felt like I definitely had to learn some of that as, like, a significant other. Mm-hmm. It's It's very stressful because a lot of this stuff you you feel like, you should already know and that because you don't you just kind of go along with it and pretend you do and like oh okay this is what i'm supposed to get or and you so 
I don't. Know, yeah, it is. It can be very, be something that makes you very anxious yeah. to confront. I think that's yeah. true. And I, I do think that there are a lot of resources out there. Like, you know, you're talking about instead of teaching men how clothes should fit, we made it easy for them. And this is like a watered down version of fashion. Yeah. I think that those places definitely do exist. Yeah, um, I think that's true. I don't, yeah, I don't know like what some good ones are just because I'm not like operating in that world very frequently, but um I think there's plenty of places online where you can learn a lot about how things should fit and what things should look like. Um, and obviously like a lot of shopping is trial and error. And I think that like it's work, right? Like it's labor and people don't totally understand that. Yeah. I think, I think that's very true. Yeah. And I, I, I just think it was more of like on as you were saying, like on gets all this VC money and it's, it's sort of like to fix this problem and it's it's sort of like if you if you gave all that VC money to a different solution and gave it the amount of advertising that like Untucket has, maybe we'd be living in a different world. Like a different solution for men's fashion or just a different like an entirely different business? Uh, I, I think both because I think they're connected. Yeah. Like like you can imagine like a, a men's fashion website where like you go to it and like first thing is like, hey, here's a two minute video about like Here's how fashion works instead of just like untuck it. You don't have to tuck in your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, ah, we shortened it. And like they they did a bunch of research to make it work, but um then they just like didn't explain that to or like it seems like they barely explained it to the men that shop there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're wrong in like a business sense. That's of probably sadly true. Like they're you know, it's probably the right business move to not try to educate their customer about why this looks better or what the customer is looking for in a shirt. And what that creates is like a dependency on Untuck It so that they never have the ability to shop somewhere else. That's that's a that's a that's an interesting point. And there are also plenty of men who straight up wouldn't want to listen to the explanation or you know, who are socialized to not, to think that that is frivolous or unnecessary or wasteful yeah. of their time or their energy. We all got to be like Steve Jobs. <laughs> it did at least find something that looks pretty good on him, but it's also, there's a lot of circle jerking yeah, about how uh, he only, only wore one thing. And... Yeah. I don't know if the mom jeans were a good look. Yeah. yeah I, think I was more thinking of the, the, the black sweater turtleneck. <laughs> The yeah, well, because like even like Zuckerberg is like trying to emulate that with the black hoodie. I mean, Zuckerberg for a always while, and yeah, it's eventually it gets it's 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 the idea on paper sounds really cool, or not even cool, but it sounds like really efficient. But then eventually it seems kind of corny, or it's I don't know. We we have a note here about Task Rabbit, and I'm not sure where you. Oh yeah, there was like one quote that was talking about how there's like a bunch of startups that are around. Sort of this extended um, adolescence, extended mommy universe. Yeah, and I, I some of the <laughs> examples like they described Uber as this. I don't totally buy that, but like TaskRabbit is for sure. And I remember we read, we were, we were, I, I think both Claire and I read this article about like someone working at TaskRabbit. And it was like a woman who worked there for like two days, and it was she was like it was such a disaster. And it was like a startup founded by like basically a frat guy 
who like went to college and was like, oh, I don't know how to clean. And then like tried to look oh, up. Oh, you're talking about Handy. Oh, you're right. Uh, I think it basically. Yeah. Well, well, but it, it's like basically they just wanted to like be able to call up a service to clean instead of actually learning or like putting an effort to clean. Which I think I think speaks mm-hmm. to a, a, really well to the same central phenomenon of like rather than confronting your your like the your like deficiencies, you just try and figure out how to get someone else to solve it for you. Yeah, you just you call up a service or you load up an app and then you just tell them I'm baby <laughs> and then they come and fix it for you. Like I don't know how to dress, I'm baby. <laughs> And then unpuck it, fix it, fixes it for Actually, you. this is a great idea. We should probably take I'm baby. <laughs> the I'm baby app. And then you, you pick what your baby at, like whether it's it's tidying or tucking in your shirt. <laughs> we need to get on that. <laughs> Another way for us to finagle money out of people. Uh, yeah, it, it, it really goes. Yeah, the, the idea of TaskRabbit, they must really hate the Conmarie's surge surge into like everybody's thinking and like learning how to tidy themselves and not have messy lives i I wonder if that's that's been a hit to their business i don't know man you gotta get a test rabbit to take all your shit to goodwill oh yeah i guess that could be like yeah there are like one-off things that you have to do that are annoying and i i honestly don't think like connery and tidying means cleaning necessarily um, mm-hmm. I almost feel like there is probably a certain amount of, maybe classism is the right word, where like tidying is for middle and upper class people and cleaning is a job that middle class and upper class people can uh, delegate in their lives. Yeah, yeah. They can delegate. And that is seen as a, a smart move for them. That's a good point. Yeah. Of uh, this other note from the Jezebel article, um, I don't know who wants to go I, this one. It's like they mentioned trying to branch out into women's clothing, and they're like, women's clothing is really hard because they pay attention to changes in style and fit. Covers a lot of what we were talking about that it's just dumbing down fashion so that men don't have to change in order to consume it, rather than yeah trying to elevate them. To, I mean, elevate them to like understand fashion i'm trying to remember you know like as as a girl and as a woman like when i learned when something fit and when it didn't and i don't know if there's ever like a time that i can think of but i know (laughs) that there was a date where i can remember things being like oh this doesn't fit um and i think it was pretty young yeah, and I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's definitely one of those things where like you're just hit with a message over and over that you never never really comes like explicitly necessarily, but like it's always there. Yeah, it's a very gendered message, I feel. Yeah. I feel like because um for me paying attention to like fit and cut and like my silhouette isn't isn't something that really I paid attention to until recent years. And um, I, I guess like I very much had the same sort of experience as Kenny did. And it's not something that I really confronted or thought much about. And I definitely had like my my pants going past like way too long, um, especially because I'm really short and it's really hard to find pants that 
pants that fit. Um, this is actually interesting. I, I kind of <laughs> Alexis was clowning me a bit for this opinion that I had because when I once I started noticing this, like I notice it everywhere I look now. Like almost every guy I see, their pants are not the right length. They're like usually bunched up at the end. Um, just because nobody really tailors your pants. And as, as a short person, I have to tailor all my pants because nothing ever comes at the right length for me. But even though I noticed that in guys, like almost all the women that I see, like both in like in professional and casual spaces, like all their pants are like either like at a good tailored, tailored fit or like they're just never bunched up at the end that I see. Like no one's ever really has that sort of bagging um on on their pant legs and I, I pointed this out to her and she was like in disbelief like that makes no sense that it would be like that i feel um, like some of it is about fit mm-hmm. like i guess there are some women's pants that if they're too long there's just no way to walk yeah oh that makes um, sense yeah or like skinny jeans i think it's fine like skinny jeans are kind of um popular right now for women i think they're on their way out but who knows and like those it's kind of an acceptable bunching at the bottom um but i i do i definitely feel like um i am also i'm like five two pretty much and i buy pants that are definitely too long for me and i have to get them tailored and i feel like if i were it's it's hard for me even though I'm a pretty like style aware person to like go to the tailor and be like this is the length I want and to know that it's right um in particular I have some like cropped wide leg uh like pants that are kind of in right now and Mm -hmm. they're a little bit like higher than your traditional tailor leg would be um so to like to tell the tailor like no I want them here and to know that you're making the right choice, it's probably a maximizer problem. But uh, like, it's it's definitely a thing that can be intimidating. And like, yeah. you know, yeah. you're changing behind a curtain that's made out of gossamer material. You know, like it's it's thin, it's intimidating. If you don't know what you're doing, it can be really difficult. And that's a hard thing about getting stuff that's the right fit. Yeah, and um, again, like, I, it's something that I think like it's very intimidating for a lot of men who aren't in that sort of, I guess that mindset of everything should be tailored or even if, if, I mean, it costs extra money to get your, your pants hand yeah. and you have to have know a good place to bring your stuff to, or even know that that's an option to you. Totally. Um, and then you have to make time to actually bring it and drop it off. So that's like a, another obstacle that I think a lot of men do, do not just choose not to face at all. Yeah. I think a lot of people in general choose not to face that. I, I think people don't realize that, you know, there was a time when all clothes were made for you specifically as a person. Mm-hmm. And that meant that you had, you know, you know, two shirts or whatever. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily like a fun time to live. Everyone like, everyone loved the 1800s. <laughs> yeah. Or like, but like when you look at people and you're like oh why does that look so good it's because or like celebrities or fashion magazines and stuff like that it's like it's an unrealistic picture that they're presenting to you because 
nobody buys off-the-rack clothes that look like that for them. Um, like, it's all tailoring, and or it's custom-made, or whatever, and we're kind of pretending that you can that you can buy something off the rack and it'll look as amazing as it does in like the ads. Um, yeah. And that's just, that's a lie. And realizing that that's a lie and that there's something that you can do to make things better is, is about like educating yourself and it's a lot of work. Yeah. Something else that Alexis eventually mentioned to me, which blew my mind is she said that like a lot of the, when she buys pants, they come in different length sizes. Yeah. Like they come in long, short, regular sizes. And that is not something that I think men, like, I don't think I, I don't see those options often um, offered to me when I'm shopping. Like, I think it depends where you shop. I've, we've definitely gotten pants for Kenny before that. I think you're like a 30 inch inseam. And I think the standard men's pants are 32. A, a, a lot of places, a lot of places will adjust the length depending it's on the true. Ends. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Because they just but presume yeah. that. Yeah. I definitely know you can buy men's pants on different inseams, but it depends where you go. And like, even with women's, there's, you know, it depends where you're shopping. And like, you know, a 32 inch inseam is never going to work for me. Yeah. Um, it, I think that's just like something I noticed. Like, that that is an option at some places, but for like, if a lot of places where you're buying off the rack and it's maybe like a, a fast fashion sort yeah. of spot, like all the inseams will be a straight 30 inch or 32 inch because that's just like the standard. And yeah, it doesn't work yeah. for me with like a, a 27 inseam. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that, I mean, mine's shorter than that. I'm probably 26. Yeah. Um. I I think another thing that's kind of interesting is for men, the cut on like the leg of a jean is generally the same throughout the past, like throughout the last like you know six inches or so. So it mm-hmm. is okay to just like cut it off and hem it. But for a lot of women's jeans, there's a taper, particularly with like a a skinny jean or something like that. So it's it's very tough to just cut off like the hem and make it fit right. This is a, a problem that I have with skinny jeans, which is that like it will fit in the calf and fit in the ankle. Yeah. But there's like a huge backy part in between. I, That's well, my, my own personal pet peeve. <laughs> no, I, I got to tell you, like learning about pants has, has been kind of like a, a curse for me because now I'm like, man, I wish all my pants were tapered this way. Yeah. And especially for like when you're ta- when you're hemming so much, like four or five inches, it really fucks up the taper. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I definitely think a lot about this. Um, so anyway, um, welcome listeners to my pants report, which we've expanded from our, the, our t-shirt the report. The extended Eric Clothing universe. Coming, <laughs> yes. coming soon to theaters near you, Eric's Eric's shoes report. Oh yeah, that we're we're getting we're getting there. That's the that's where we're trending toward, huh? <laughs> All right, Claire and Kenny, it's been a pleasure. Um, more so clear than Kenny um, <laughs> to have you on this this podcast well, because you're the guest and Kenny's always on the on these this okay uh-huh. <laughs> we'll see so as we close off every episode I'd like to talk about what have we learned um with with this particular episode of the podcast so I'll go, I'll get into it first I learned that um 
I would like to talk more about Gretchen Rubin's books <laughs> on our <laughs> we show. We have our own spinoff, Eric. <laughs> yeah, that's we can talk about more Jolie Care stuff and Gretchen Let's cut Rubin. Cut out the middle. All right. I like Jolie Care. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Jolie, Jolie Care big fan. Well, this I is kind that, of like... Go on, Claire. Yeah, I think this podcast... I mean, I hear it being influenced by Acid Clean Person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, that's kind of what I was like, man, we need to figure out a spinoff for this. And um, the, the next thing that occurred to my mind is like, wow, we talk about all these other people so much. Uh, so what, what have you two learned in this episode? You want to start, Ken? Um No, that's you go first. <laughs> no. Um, um, what, what have, go ahead. I don't know what I've learned. I, this is a great episode. I had, a, I had a good time. So maybe we should, what I've learned is that you should just be on every episode. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, um, I, had a lot of, I had a lot of fun. We're going, going way over time here. Oh, yeah, for sure. We should edit some of this. By we, I mean you. Um, <laughs> I... I know that Eric and I have a lot of feelings about cost per wear <laughs> um, and that our maximalist tendencies help as well as hurt us. Uh, I think I also learned, like, I think with the Untucket stuff, like, I could be kind of hard on people, including Kenny, <laughs> about dressing themselves. Um, and I, I get that it's hard and I get that it's... Uh, you know, like a lot of a lot of work you got to do. I think about that a lot because my immediate reaction is to to dunk on these guys who need to shop there, but um, I don't know if that helps them get to a point where they want to actually like I don't right. know take on take on that labor. It makes it like, less accessible, not more accessible. Yeah, yeah, and that that's something I'm kind of trying to trying to work on. Yeah, God's working yeah. on all of us. I hate it when you say that. It's I, I miss I miss <laughs> when I first met Eric. He was he was so gossipy and loved spilling the tea. And now he's like, I'll I send him some juicy some juicy tidbit, and he's like, I don't I don't want to blast this person. God's working on us all, and yeah. it's the worst <laughs> worst development. Yeah, probably. I I recognize that it makes me <laughs> less entertaining, but. Yeah, you know, I can see how how that negativity is taking a toll on other aspects of my life. So, sorry, Kenny, you got to deal with it. It's okay. <laughs> I understand. All right, so thank you both for making this a really fun episode. I was like worried that uh, um, not that it wouldn't be fun, but that like. I don't know what I was worried about. You were worried really we didn't have enough to talk about, and I, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah, that we would run, we would run an hour long. Claire's a talker. <laughs> no, it was really fun. It's, it reminded me a lot of when I was up there visiting y'all, and yeah, I don't know. I don't get to talk about a lot of this stuff, and <laughs> me neither. As a, as, a, as, a res- as a result, like I've turned our gaming podcast into like us talking about jackets. And like and like my dieting habits, and I really just need an outlet for this stuff. And this podcast is like I'm very grateful that it gives me this outlet to talk about cost per wear and about um, God working on all of us. <laughs> as <laughs> as um, as much of a lapsed Catholic as I am. All right. Um, so thank every thank everyone for listening. 
or thank you everyone for listening to this. I hope you're able to take something from it and some enjoyment out of it, out of us just fucking around talking about Tim Gunn and stuff. <laughs>